Welcome to Anecdotes for Success with Matt and Paul. Storytelling is an art form, emphasizing the value and learning that is created through personal experience. Our purpose is to share these stories and experiences with the listener. Everyone has a powerful testimony. Let's use them to level up to our best life with truth, meaning, trade-offs, and perspective. All right, we have another great guest on today. First off, I want to give a shout out to Isaac Mather. He's the one that came up with our, our new intro to the podcast. You can find him on all social media at Isaac Mather. So we have Dr. Carey today. Welcome, Dr. Carey. Hi, thanks for having me. Yep, Dr. Carey occasion. I said it right, correct? Yes, you did. There's a lot of pressure there. Uh, That's why I so, just changed it to Dr. Kerry. You know, a lot of people had a hard time with it, except for people in my hometown. So I'm like, oh, I'll just chop it off right there <laughs> for branding purposes. Well, that's that's a big deal in today's society. Speaking of that, you were joking when we were talking before this podcast, you were going to do a Barbie theme. So you went with the pink shirt. Is Is that a coincidence? <laughs> No, I figured I said it. I was like, oh, well, it's a pink week. And uh, I'll, uh, I, you didn't reply. So I thought you were like, oh, my God, what is she talking about? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I think I went too far. But, uh, no, not, not at all. <laughs> Apparently, that movie's crushing it. Yeah, I, you know what? I haven't seen it. Um, it's exciting. It's just funny. It kind of came out of nowhere. She's been so popular for so long. Um, and being raised with Barbies, we weren't really given that like feminist lens on Barbie. So I'd be interested from that perspective to see like, oh, why couldn't we have been raised on that messaging? So um, it'll be interesting. My daughter went to see it out in Chicago and she said people were tailgating in the parking lot dressed like Ken and Barbie. <laughs> so it's, it's turned into this big okay. social yeah. gathering. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, well, listen, you let, let's get going. You you go back as far back as you want to go. Tell us about yourself. I won't give it away what I know about you. Uh, but one disclaimer is is Matt and I, Matt, I never tell Matt who's on the podcast when, when we come on oh, the wow. Zoom. This is all new to him. So well, that's so you, cool. Yeah. And it's just kind of a fun thing we do now and, and it never disappoints. So let's go. Start where you want to start. Matt, I thought let's you were all excited. Like I, I carry, so I am excited. I am excited when we have a new when we have a guest. I'm always excited. And then <laughs> and then you got on and you're enthusiastic. And then you said you talked about something about collecting rare books, which I thought was an I'd love to hear more about at some point. So I'm ex, I'm excited, but now I'm I'm very excited to meet someone new and and uh, hear about who you you know what you are or what what, what you beliefs are and what what your career is and what you do and and all that. It's kind of part of the thing Paul and I have been doing here now gosh it's over a year i think we've been kind of doing some of that so uh don't take offense to it please it's just what we no, do no 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 i think that's so cool actually i think i might use it although i don't know some people don't love to be surprised but yeah no i think it's great um and you guys are you think fast on your feet so you can always ask questions and you're very curious so it must work it, it's um, it's a great format i i have a blank piece of paper i don't know what i'm going to call the episode yet i don't know what i'm going to put in the bio and it, it always works no pressure renaissance woman we, we, <laughs> all we've, right we've, we've been we, right from the beginning carrie we're very um aware that we wanted this if this was going to be interesting for us um we didn't want to it's not scripted in any way which which is probably obvious and and you know we didn't well, you know, we want it to be natural and, and normal and a real conversation. And we don't edit. We don't we don't do anything that, you know, that that a lot of a lot of people do. And I'm not saying it's good or bad. I'm just saying we don't do it. So, um, you know, one of the ways we thought we could be real is not, you know, have a. Uh, uh, 10 days of prep and, and, you know, go, go through everyone's background. And, and, you know, I mean, um, there's some advantages and there's some disadvantages probably to that, but that's just who we are and what we, what the, the, the process we like to follow and what we find is good is fun for us. Right, Paul. So it's kind of, kind of, you know, that, that's a reasoning behind it. And I'm, I'm actually, we've never really even explained it. So I'm glad, I'm glad we're talking about it. Cause that, that's the reason we just think it's more natural and more normal. It's so interesting because I've seen some of your episodes and you wouldn't know that. Um, I guess I didn't, you know, watch the very beginning, but um, of some of them. But yeah, you've never know that uh, that you don't really know the people. But yeah, no, that's great. That's great. I'm excited. 
Um, how far back do you want me to go? <laughs> you, you, you tell us what your interest, but what you're up to, how you got to your point today. Doesn't matter. We'll we'll be all over the place. Um, okay. So yeah, so basically I'll just tell you my title um, is the career development education lead in the state of Massachusetts. So the Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary Ed. And I also am a consultant for an international education organization. Um, I've made a career, so that title seems very strong, career development education lead. Um, I think I've made a career out of not knowing at all what I've wanted to do forever <laughs> and just made a career out of it and been like, kids don't know this, kids don't know that, we should do this, we should do that. And then I remember actually negotiating the title with um, my boss at the time and it was something else like some kind of like coordinator thing and i'm like this is this is what this is what the work entails and and this is what i want to do um so yeah it's been a long road and i can go back and talk about my position but i i started out as a teacher in the high school that i went to and i graduated from umass amherst and i just realized i was 22 my teachers were still there you know, the ones that I had as a student, they were on their way out and I was really learning so much from them. And it was, it was really an exciting time, um, just such a changing of the guard. And, um, but that's when I realized, what the heck are we learning? And we're talking so much about Shakespeare and we're talking about the American Revolution, which now I appreciate because I live in downtown Boston and I'm so into it now, but in high school, I was like, yeah. Um, so I started to bring in, they they really allowed you to play a little bit more when I first started teaching. Now it's more regimented, I think, but I was mm. able to like bring in electives. Yeah, I don't know what you think, Paul, but I know that you teach at electives. So um, yeah, when I first started teaching, it was like, oh, you think that there should be more multicultural voices in the literature? Okay, you can teach African-American literature. You can teach Holocaust and human behavior. So like I, I got to really play a lot. I mean, academically play, I guess, is my like dorky way of saying it. Um, <laughs> I was like, isn't it so exciting? Holocaust and human behavior, you know, of course. Um, but it was fascinating to me as an Ar my, uh, a granddaughter of an Armenian immigrant. Um, so, so yeah. I, and then I realized as a kid in an inner city school um, and then going to college and then coming back, I felt like I didn't know enough. I, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I was 22 years old. So I created a um, an academy, a school within a school for students where they could uh, learn about the world and communication and networking and branding um, and then get connected with somebody in the community to do an internship. And it was really organically grown over a few years with my friend Miriam Morgenstern and you know, hundreds of kids have gone through that program. And then after that, I did a lot of different things like get my master's and PhD and um, really focused on what happens after high school, especially in those years, 18 to 29 or 18 to 30. And yeah, and then I applied to the Department of Ed and I've been there for a while working on um, setting educational policy like internships and um, best practices in work-based learning and skills that kids need to learn before they graduate, working with employers, working with different school systems and working with the workforce development system too, to really understand it and see what's going on and, and, yeah. and make those connections. So, so that's a little bit about me. And I also, I'm really excited because I've been working with an international organization and I haven't really traveled since so my daughter's 12 and I haven't traveled really internationally. I think I went on like a trip to St. Thomas or something, but I never, I haven't, like I went to Cambodia and Vietnam before and, you know, just overseas. And so this, this gives me an opportunity to connect more internationally and with what's going on in education internationally. And I'm really excited to learn more because I feel like I don't know necessarily that America has grown stale, but I feel like we can reinvigorate what we're, what we're doing and then the Terry, rare book when, thing. when <laughs> you say reinvigorate what we're doing do, in and do you mean that uh, from an educational from educational standpoint or do you mean that more broadly 
Yeah, I mean, I guess what does it look, what does post-COVID look like in other countries? Um, mm. Does my daughter have to go to college in the United States? Mm. Should we be looking abroad? Does she have to go to college? I, I would love her to go to college. Um, but what is it? What are, you, what are you teaching them? What's important? What really, because as a, you know, I became a single parent um, in my journey and there was before that, I didn't know anything. You think you don't know anything. And then like, damn, <laughs> life's like, here you go, try this. And then your life can serve as for someone else to learn from. Um, just really, what is it? What does the state of women look like in your country? Um, how can we empower them? How can we make sure that they are financially literate? But not just that, how can they make a contribution to society and and be a little bit more inspiring? Like how can you so solve major world problems? So I'm really, really excited about just different modes of learning, thinking, and just living, really. Just how do we get through this time that we're here and what should we be doing? And yeah, that's so profound, I know. <laughs> no, it's, in it's, it's interesting, but go ahead, Paul, I just interrupted that, you. That, that academy within an academy, does that still exist? So the school within a so I so it was Lowell High School and it was like a small school we called it an academy. Um, I believe it does. It is the, so I haven't worked there in nine years since I left. Um, but it was, it definitely got cut a little bit short. Academies are only um, junior and senior year now. And mine was a. Um, I know your question was a yes or no, but I have That's to okay. no. a little bit more. It was sophomore, junior and senior year. And it was the only humanities academy, which was really cool. It was the public, it ended up being, it was the social justice academy. And then because at that time, it was when um, Bush was in office and we were called the Academy of Liberal Indoctrination. So they changed our title to, and I was like, I was like 24 and, um, they called me a pinko and I'm like, I don't even know what that is. Like asking my mom. <laughs> so they changed us to the public service and civic engagement Academy. And, you know, it was interesting because the other academies were more like nursing or, um, engineering. And this was more like people could become a teacher or a lawyer or an activist or just, just to live. Right. And just understand their community. Well, it, it's mad. It sounds so much like what we do. That I so it, real it, quick. It does. It does. Yeah, so we real, were ahead of our time, big time. You, <laughs> you were. So I don't even. I taught normal social studies and business for eighteen years, and then the last seven years, this will be my eighth or ninth. It doesn't matter. I work at a, a vocational school, but for what some reason, they let our New Visions Academy exist. So we go to eight school districts and we recruit juniors, honor students. And we have Minds, Innovation, Leadership, and Business. We have Medical Careers. And then we have Human Services and Education. And we interact all through. So we have kids from all eight districts, 30 kids each. They come for half a day, 15, 15. They get 19 college credits. They explore, whether it's lawyers or engineering or marketing. Matt comes in and mentors. And, and nice. sometimes kids do internships through him. So it's a grander scale. But you basically, what sounds like what you started is, is what we do. And to this day, I don't know why New York State lets us do it. The students drive there. There's no rules. You know, we have one textbook that we hardly look at. It's more about exploring and experiencing. So you're not wasting time in college, because let's face it, if you're not sure what you want to do going into college, it gets very expensive. Yes. And that's another life lesson I've definitely learned. So um, I don't know why I don't know why the like what you started should be all throughout Massachusetts. It should be all throughout the country. It's funny well, how district. Go ahead. They have evolved in, in Massachusetts. It's actually interesting. Um, when I got to the Department of Ed, I was in another position. I was an urban literacy coordinator. And then I moved to uh, more the college career and technical side. Um, but I worked in comprehensive high schools or tra traditional high schools before that. But now they have things called innovation pathways where they look at the labor market trends and um, develop broad-based academy structures based on that. And, and I think it, it's really interesting, um, but I do think the reason why not all high schools have had to do this or made changes is because of testing, mandated testing, um, mandated courses that they have to teach. 
I taught in a 4,000 student high school and scheduling was a mess. So to get my 25 to 30 students a year to do internships was one thing, but to get thousand seniors to do something is quite another. So mm. it, the practices have evolved, but the structures in place are really difficult. Sure. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate because seniors in high school should be developing skills where they could springboard right into the workforce or college or be self-sufficient. And I, I feel like that senior year is wasted by so many. By I mean, not by yeah. the fall of the seniors necessarily, but you know, they're they're still taking courses. It's like, come on, start experiencing things. Yeah, during COVID, um, we did the high school senior internship and education program because we were finding that seniors were just not engaged. They were not, um, they were not all showing up for classes um, because they were, it was just a total, it was like their first year of college almost. They had different hours, different scheduling um, and educators were calling in sick more. There wasn't enough bandwidth. So we actually put 800 senior students into the classrooms in their in their um, local K through eight um, to be tutors, um, lunch monitors, and really support the educators. And they were given professional development. So they got this huge experience before they graduated. And I just, I really loved that model. And it served like two purposes. It was like to support the teachers who were going through a crisis to actually three, to support the kids um, in K through eight who were losing um, some of their academics and then to support the high school seniors to get a quality work-based learning experience before they graduated. So that was a definite win from COVID for sure. But hey, yeah, Carrie, I, I, no, go ahead, go ahead. In other countries, I some they don't even have, they don't go to school until they're 18. And I don't necessarily think, I do like the thought of, you know, ending earlier. And by the way, I'm speaking on behalf of myself, not the Department of Education right, or the government. Right, right. That's, yeah. It's, it's fair, fair, yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So, so kind of on that topic, you know, we've had guests on before who've been extremely critical of of the education system, the 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 K through twelve, I'll call it educational system. And frankly, we love talking to everyone about you know we talk about education a lot because of Paul's career and and you know I'm I'm an educator, I guess to to some degree and and. Um, and I think Paul and I both really enjoy the topic, and and it's it's great to have someone of your experience and expertise and, and background to talk to. And some of the people we've talked to, like I was saying, have been pretty critical of you know the system as it is versus you know a lack, I'll call it a lack of progress. Maybe um, you know we're just kind of stuck. And I'm making a general statement here, and 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 but we're kind of stuck in our ways. You can't offend and, me. Don't worry, I've heard no, it all. Yeah, I, I work I, for an agency. I, I, I certainly don't intend to. If if I do, it's certainly not on purpose. But there's you know, and, and I'm not even saying this is my opinion. I'm saying this is their opinion. Although I do agree with some aspects of it. Some are a little bit more. Um, uh, critical of it and think there's better different solutions um so you know in and as an employer and i employed quite a quite a number of people um i see and one person in particular brought this to my attention this was months ago and she'd said you know and i i had some criticisms of some of the things I experienced as an employer. And I said, but I can't say anything. I'm not a teacher. I don't live in that world. Her retort, which I, I've never stopped thinking about was, no, Matt, you're the one who should provide your opinion. You're the end user. You're the one getting the the the, the end product, if you will, or, or whatever. And and I thought that was an interesting perspective. But but um you know what what do you say to some 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 of those criticism and it sounds like you know you've 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 got your own opinions on where things should go is it hard to move the needle move the ball forward in in a bureau in is it bureaucracy oh, yeah. bureaucracy and or, or hey we're we're doing we're doing great you know we should go slowly like i just interested in your perspective on that kind of topic i guess um yes 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 it's difficult um well one thing i'll say is that 
um, educators and education, it's a predominantly female profession. So for years, I mean, not, you know, not Paul, um, but in Massachusetts, it was 80% female. And I think it's really easy to judge female professions and offer your insight and weight um, because a lot of times they're not speaking up and they're not giving their, uh, you know, they're just kind of taking, taking the heat. And I, and I think about it when I think about doctors and different trainings that they have had to have. Um, they fought tooth and nail and they've won and not had to go through as much as educators have. And I do believe there's a gender bias there. I know some people don't like to talk about that kind of stuff and it's gotten me in trouble before, but I do believe that I, and I know educators are very strong and they have strong voices. However, I do believe that it's easy to judge a female profession for sure. Um, I, I, and I've heard, I've heard that's also why the pay is so low still compared to a lot. Oh yeah, I, I bet. I, I mean, mean, I, I just at, wanted to put that in there. Sorry. <laughs> no, but I mean, I look at like, I have, oh, well, I shouldn't, I do have quite a bit of student loan debt. Um, I feel like we've worked so much, like so many professions, but if you look at, for example, like a state police officer, they work for 20 years and then they can get, you know, then they're done and they get their pension or whatever. Um, so that's a male profession. Then we have union jobs and they don't have to have any, um, any education and they're making just as much, if not more than I do. And they're a very, um, very male profession. So I do believe that maybe we didn't have to make as much before either. Like it was, there were definitely more um, two family households, right? Um, and it wasn't seen as much of a prize per, um, profession. So, so yeah. Although way back in the day, it was a prize profession. And that goes back to all my rare books if you want to get into that at some point. Um, but it's definitely, and I think I've lost a little bit of my vigor too, being in a bureaucracy for so long. Um, I don't think I would have ever started, uh, a, a workforce readiness, um, global learning type academy when I was say 35, I just was a, a baby coming out of college. Like, let's do this. There's no consequences, you know, no school committee is <laughs> going to come after me. And then you learn what you, you don't know. And now, yeah, I'm definitely I'm definitely more guarded with my opinions. And that's why I said something about the gender bias. Like some people are like, ah, that doesn't matter, blah, blah, blah. But I, I do think that that factors into it a little bit, um, especially so, like, anyway, go ahead. No, no. So, so you think maybe some of it is just, um, I'm trying, I'm just trying to put my thought into words here. It, it's a, it's a, Hey, I don't want to rock the boat kind of thing. Cause it's not, it's not, it's not worth it or, or there's consequences maybe to it that are, that are un, um, comfortable or, 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 or whatever the case may be, or is it? Yeah. You know, I mean, I think it was worse before. So like, see how now Paul has these, this wonderful evolved, um, course and, um, what is it? New visions Academy, but yeah. those things before were new age and like, what are you trying to do? Why are we doing this? It's not the norm. So I think it has, things have evolved for sure. But I do think, yes, there's a tendency to not rock the boat too much um, for sure, because there could be, you know, career conscious um, consequences. Although sure. now it seems like we're kind of allowed to put um, those ideas out there. And I do really enjoy that end user kind of quote, because I do think I look at now um, what are kids missing when they get to when they get to the workplace and. Yeah. I'm looking at those skills and there are a lot of problem solving and definitely communication. And that has a lot to do with generational conflict or different ways people grew up and different time periods. So I'm definitely, definitely looking at that. And I do think that some, I do think that other professions should weigh in on education. I just don't think that educators voice should be not be included in any of the decisions. And I think that's what happens. Like Bill oh, Gates. Okay wonderful he's amazing he's donated so much money um to education reform but sometimes i'm like okay you know why does it take like engineering programs to we have an there's an engineering program at stanford and they do this like life design and career planning that's going all over the country and i'm like why does it take engineers to do this like their educators have wanted to do it before so i just think that educators voices should be included in these discussions so 
So I, I would I would certainly expect. I'm surprised they're not. I'm, I mean, I'm not in that world. I, I I would think that would be such a natural that that. And again, I'm not. I'm not even critic. I'm not criticizing at all in this discussion where where we're at. I'm not saying like when I say, oh, you know, there's some things that I wish as an employer. Well, to be fair, I have to look at that and go as compared to what? Like 20 years ago, would it have been better or worse? I, I can't say. I was. I assume it's better now. Frankly, I and, yeah, and I they're looking for actual bodies now. Like people aren't showing up to work. Like. I was just talking more more in general in this past conversation and and, and it, that that's so nuanced because I'm in one little world and there's a million different worlds out there right of, of careers and opportunities and that kind of thing so mine's more you know it's they're all nuanced in my opinion but I was just curious what your opinion was on on some of these um you know Paul we've talked to some people want to go you know completely you know private. Uh, forget public education, right? They want to go completely private, and you know, there's there's these different spectrums, I guess, of of what the right right setup might be, and and um, you know, one of the criticisms of public is it's slower moving, but at the same time, there's some benefits to moving slower than moving too fast, right? At least that would be my my argument. I mean, there's trade offs and everything. Paul and I talk about it. You know, our four pillars are truth, meaning, trade offs, and perspective. Everything's a trade-off in life, um, and the speed of which you change anything is certainly a, a, a trade-off. So I, I just find someone, you know, with, again, where with with your position and, and your experience, you know, whether you see us moving forward in a in a positive kind of structured manner, or 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 maybe there's no need to move forward that quickly at all. I mean, we, we I, I you know we're still a highly educated society, and and I would like to think. Uh, I don't know where we rank though anymore. Do, do you guys? I mean, versus I we, other countries, versus other countries. I think we rank differently in in certain things. Certain like areas. I, don't know, in math. Yeah. Um, I I mean I don't know the actual statistic. I I think Man. that we're making progress in some areas. Like we really want students to have life sustaining wages. We talk about a lot, okay. but I'm way more interested in like. Remember when we wanted people to solve world major world problems? Remember we wanted um, the United States to be really bold in, and progressive in finding solutions? I see that sometimes in my daughter's school, but I don't see it across the board. It's more like, you know, get them the skills they need to get going. And I get that, yeah. but like, I want to be a little bit more inspirational too, because we have the, I think of schools as these giant think tanks for free. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not free. We, we use our tax dollars to pay for them if it's a public school, but they're, we don't have to pay them. Right. And they could give us these solutions. Their brains are still developing. It's like boing, 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 boing. The ideas that can come out of these kids mouths and heads, it, it's amazing. And I, and I think if we tapped into their potential a little bit more, and invested more money in education. I think a lot of people at the top might not exactly know how to do this. That's why I do think some private schools do really well. And mm. I mean, ours are really, really, really pricey here. And I'm not at that point yet to send my daughter to a private school because college is so expensive. So, you know, and I only have one kid, so we're working on it. Um, so, yeah, I just, I think a lot of different things, but um I do think, I do think that maybe we've fallen behind like that whole like invigoration or inspiration mm -hmm. or like getting kids to really, there are these things called the global goals and there were, I think it was 17 or 18 global goals put out by the United Nations. And it's like, I think it was 17. Yeah, 17. I think it was 17. Yep. You know the, yeah. So yep really getting kids more inspired to um, think about the global goals. I know you're into entrepreneurship. Um, you're an entrepreneur and um, Nifty, the national foundation. I don't know what the T stands for, for entrepreneurship. I'm not familiar right? with it. Okay. Yeah. I'll have to look it up. So, um, so yeah, there, there are some exciting pockets of things going on, but I do think, yeah, overall, could we be even more progressive for sure? Sure. You know, a couple of things quick. I love the fact of calling schools think tanks because I think right now the common terms are institutions, prisons. I mean, I've heard some people <laughs> use that term. Uh, yeah. And as, as far as the change, I mean, the 
the people that know best for the schools are the people in the schools. Right. And, you know, I, I know in New York state, I'm sure it's the same everywhere. You have the school boards, which are people in the community and you have the superintendent with their agenda, always battling out what's best for the school. And very rarely does anybody in the school have any input. Well, uh, you're so busy, right? Like I remember, right. like I was just thinking about that before and I didn't make the connection. It's like the educator's voice can't even be heard because they're at the bake sale, they're coaching, they're dropping their kids off at, you know, their students off at 8.30 at night because they got back from a game. Like they can't be at the school board meeting, forget their own family. It's just, it's interesting that. that yeah, yeah. It, we've been fortunate. Our school boards locally are starting to get an influx of retired teachers on oh, the board. And it it stirs it up enough where, you know, you get said business member, which often or said parent that comes on the school board because they have this tunnel vision of how it works. And the, the retired teachers tend to, to be super opinionated because it doesn't matter at this point to them. But I still always say I think it'd be so cool if a school could vote for who their leader should be. And it would probably be the teacher that doesn't want to leave the classroom. Yeah. That's not the way it's set up, but I, I would love that experiment. Like every five years, okay, you're now the building leader. Go for it. You have all the powers of the principal. And it'd be the guy in their room. They knock on the door and he's like, oh, crap, I got to do that. I, I'd rather be with the kids. And boy, what a what a cool, I think what a cool uh, uh, arrangement that would be. But I'm just dreaming. You know, I no, think no, no, no. That's like my friend. My friend, I have. So Kerry is a popular name in Massachusetts. We have a lot of Irish people here. So my <laughs> my other, yeah, like you know, Jennifer is a name in other places, but Kerry uh, <laughs> is the Massachusetts Jennifer. So my friend, <laughs> the Massachusetts Jennifer or Heather, um, my friend Kerry Mulcahy, Doctor Kerry Mulcahy from Worcester. She has um, interviewed for superintendent. She's just so well qualified, but. God forbid, they do not want her to leave that classroom because she, her test scores are the best in the state, such rapport with kids. And yeah, no, I really love that. People who are really, you know, my mom had a hard time too. She was a, she was an administrator, but she always really loved being with, with the students. So there's those are nothing, the ones that have the first-hand knowledge, right? Yeah. And there's nothing that says you couldn't still teach a class if you were an administrator, but- right. They do get weighed down in a lot of meetings and paperwork and evaluations. I, I'm not saying I want it. Well, it's yeah. exactly why I don't want to do it. Uh, but there's got to be a there's got to be a better way, I guess. Right. More freedom. No, for sure. I, I hear that. I mean, even I've, I it's hard for me to even talk about education so completely because I haven't been in the classroom in nine years and I was hired to be that person from an urban high school with, I remember telling my, the person who was interviewing me, I'm like, I've had, you know, five different languages at the same time of students from, from home. Like they've been, they were speaking five different languages at home, like, and they were cheating one day in like five different languages on the test, like things that you just wouldn't think about. Um, and the kids all together, it's just, just things that, that, you forget about. So my mom used to always say, never have a short memory. And that's like her best advice to ad administrators is just never have a short memory of what it was like to be a teacher because those are the worst type of administrators, right? <laughs> so that's, that's well, oftentimes the ones that didn't want to teach anymore. Yeah. Yep. I, I have a theory. Uh, people get mad at me for it. Uh, you get people that let's face it, they could use the money. So they go into administration. Well, they're young. They didn't like the classroom. They become an administrator. They get used to the salary. So they kind of, the teachers kind of become the adversaries instead of their teammates because they have to keep everybody above them happy to keep their job. It's right. kind of the same with politics. Like you get into politics because you have this philosophy and then you stay there because you, you have to develop a science to, to not, not get reelected. So, you, you know, it, it, probably be the same way but i feel like that's the problem like we always don't have the right people leading us that really i, I love that quote let me get that right never have a short-term memory of what it was never like have a short a memory like no, short. yeah never have a short memory yeah my mom has a lot of good good uh good ideas um she taught not an alternative school and she really she really has done some amazing work so it's great to i come from a, a family of educators um 
both of my grandparents on my mom's side were educators and my grandfather on the Armenian side owned a hairdressing school when he came from Armenia. He set that up. So I always had like this huge, just bunch of educators um, and just learned a lot of different things from them. Yeah, that's a big, it's a big part of part of our life over here. Is, is that is that why you you got an education? You think it was just kind of the 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 world you grew up in, in some sense. Well, yeah, I never. I mean, when I got to the Department of Ed, I'm like, we have to work the day after Thanksgiving. I I don't understand. <laughs> like, I, like what? I, like, what is going on here? Like, no. Um. Yeah. I. You know what? I think I grew up at a time I didn't have career development. We didn't have that, and. Um, we never had career conversations, so it's what you see growing up. And I just, and I, you know, blue collar type growing up, I guess you would say, and people were police officers, teachers, um, my brother is a lawyer. And then my younger brother, um, maybe he got a little bit better career development, but he's, he's in finance. Um, but yeah, for the most part, my friends are teachers and nurses, in that so it it was it's almost like you know we grew up we grew up like in the you know 60s and 70s I guess not to offend anyone in the you know 80s and (laughs) still pretty old school you grew up when you grew up right yeah but you know I that was part of the reason why I moved um to where I live now because I want I saw that um some of the moms here they work at MIT they, mm-hmm. there's someone who works on Lou Gehrig's disease. Wow. There okay. are just things that like my friends, moms didn't do. So I wanted my daughter to see that there are other possible career paths out there. That was a big, that was a big kind of impetus for me to, to get out of my hometown. Although sometimes I'm like, I'm like, oh, it's so much easier. <laughs> like it's, it's a lot of, to navigate things. Um, and to get in line first or, or that kind of thing. So, but well, yeah. you wanted, well, you know, I, I mean, we're all parents here, obviously. Well, uh, now that I know that, um, you yeah. know, you want your kids to be exposed to different things, right. And, and, uh, and see, have different perspectives. And I, I certainly know that's, that's what I want out of, uh, you know, as a parent is to expose, I have, I have one daughter and then I have another one on the way. And, um, oh, really? Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, um, 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 another daughter on the way? Or another... another daughter on the way. So oh, I have one wow. daughter who's 24. Are you her Carrie? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have one daughter who's 24. And then, uh, she, oh, and, wow. uh, she's, she's in, she's in the business world and uh, she's entrepreneurial herself. Was and, a student of mine. It was a student of oh, Paul's, wow, actually. Nice. Yep. Yep. And then, uh, I've, I have a daughter due in November. And, um, you know, I'm wow. I'm very much looking forward to that uh, that that ride as well. And it, you know, there's there's nothing there's nothing like being a parent. I'm preaching to the choir here, but um, yeah, and and exposing my children to other ways of thinking, not just my way, right? And and I want to expose myself to other ways of thinking, right? Not just what what I might think I believe at the moment, because it does change. And um, you know, that's that for me is is the most probably the most important thing I can do. And, and other than, other than show my children that I love them without, without, you know, without, uh, uh, there's no, there's no strings attached, right? It's like, there's just, just no strings attached that I love you regardless. And, and that, and exposing them to different things and different people and that kind of, that what you were just talking about, Carrie, I think is very powerful. I, I admire you for, for, for wanting to do that. Yeah, I mean, I'm scared too. I don't think our parents had to deal with this as much. I'm sure we're, you know, more evolved than our parents. Maybe we know more, but my 12 year old at the end of the school year was like asking me about taxes. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't think I, my dad did took my hard paper um, tax returns. He did them until I think I got married. And like, it just was like these kids, they're thinking so much. And she's like, you know what? Because I made a couple investment decisions that had gone awry she's like I don't want to have debt um I think I'm gonna invest a little bit I'm like wow yeah well, maybe I did something right but I'm yeah. terrified of you at 24 because <laughs> like what are you gonna know by then you're definitely even the people 
right underneath me at work, 10 years younger, right? They're like, I'm like, I am obsolete. I, I don't know. You it might take my institutional knowledge, but like, I feel like you're faster, you know more, you have less children. <laughs> I don't know. Like, keep, keep going. They're, they're way um, more nimble than we are, right? In so many, in so many ways. And it's funny, Paul, Paul is a financial uh, professional and is and is in another life and and I'm very much interested in those topics as well and it is it is I, I agree with you the the amount of information these younger people have and and what they have access to that we just didn't we just didn't it wasn't right. in, in in what they're exposed to you know there's we can and I'm guilty of it we can criticize these younger generations for a variety of reasons and and people do and and I'm not immune to that either but boy they've got uh they've got some exposure and some in in a wealth of knowledge and a different way of viewing the world than we do in a lot of ways that is very advantageous i think so yeah i do i think i think you can see the disparities a little bit more too um we're just because you know, we went, I anyway, I went to the high school that was in my town and that was pretty, I mean, my mom did kind of was thinking about sending me to a private school, but of course it wasn't as like, it was never this like outrageous expense that they could never recover from. Um, so yeah, I do think it's advantageous that kids are getting access to this knowledge, but I also think they can also see like, wow, that school or that opportunity is right over there, but I, I know about it but I can't access it because mm. it's $60,000 a year. So, and there are ways, but you have to be really tenacious. And I hope, you know, I'm sure we're all teaching our kids to do that kind of thing. But um, I do notice that too, like with knowledge, it's like, ugh. Um, you gotta be, you gotta be careful, I guess. Sometimes I'm like, can't you just go to, can't it just be like the olden days? But well, <laughs> I feel like, that's our biggest weakness in America is sometimes our biggest strength. Like there's a lot of good things contrary to what the media says or money Twitter says, or, you know, uh, there's a lot of students being very well educated and ready to take on the world. But you also can see there's so many that aren't and the flexibility in a school district to have a program like you started when you were 22 or, or that I'm lucky to be part of. That's great, but it's almost impossible to scale out nationally. And yeah, the money. Yeah. So I don't know. I mean, I guess it's great for the kids that are part of it, but what do we do about the rest of the the students that don't have these these opportunities? And that's the million dollar question, right? Well, yeah, and I and I also think it's so strange because I, I live in the city of Boston, and these kids are here. There's so many bodies just waiting to be filled with MIT, Harvard, like get them now, bring those kids in, you know, like do something with them so they can contribute to society. But, you know, my daughter has been able to, they have taken her there, which is interesting because I never went to MIT um, just for a visit. Um, they've gone to like the Harvard Museum, but I just feel like there's so many connections that aren't being made um, that don't cost mm. anything, you know? And I, I, that's where that rare book came that if you want me to add that angle, finally. <laughs> Yeah, 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 no, I, hear about it. Um, Please, we were going to ask it. So perfect. <laughs> you made a perfect segue. So I, um, I, in 2015, I created a superhero for the city of Boston and her thing was in a woman, I N N O innovation, woman, uh, integrity, no nonsense, um, optimistic opportunist. <laughs> a lot i'll show you i'll send you a, an image after it's pretty please pretty do she talked to deceased commonwealth thought leaders like paul revere and ben franklin and basically regurgitated their ideas and um put them on billboards this didn't happen because i didn't sell my crypto when i should have and, and gone and done this <laughs> thing um but i found that like the books i was looking at didn't have enough, like enough of the context of these people. And so I, because I'm in downtown Boston, I started buying land deeds from my neighborhood and finding like, you know, Ben Franklin, everything about him from when he was really young and, and Paul Revere and just everyone who basically lived in my area. And I was able to accumulate a lot of rare books. And then I started selling them a little bit too, but that was 
that was how I got into it was for creating this superhero. And part of it was let's use, well, let's, let's bring historical figures through a woman um, to women and people of color who might not be like, I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't into history because it was like these white guys and it was so boring. And my teacher was just like, outline this chapter and send hand it in, you know? So I wanted to bring history to life, but also she was about innovative ideas and problem solving because I feel like Ben Franklin would be a little bit upset about our staleness kind of now. So um, bringing the kids from Roxbury and Boston to MIT, like those, these were just ideas that she had and I found it. Okay. Yeah. So, was, so I know. So was, was this, what, what was this? I think this is fascinating. The superhero, what, was it for uh, to to look at historical things through the through through the superhero through this woman's perspective kind of thing? Yeah, so it was, and I have you know, it's funny I haven't talked about it in a while, but um, it was really to it reinvigorate people. Like I could see her on a billboard just being like, "Keep your head up, like keep going," and really. So Boston doesn't really have a superhero. We have like. I think Spider-Man is New York and is Superman New York as well. Probably. Um, I'm not very so, good at that. I mean, but. this could have been a total nervous breakdown too. People are like, you're so weird. I had t-shirts and everything. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I was like, oh, it'll be a woman because Boston's so progressive. Our superhero will be a woman and she'll be an intellectual superhero because okay. that's how we fight with like intellect and speaking and, and being, you know, that way. So that was my whole thinking behind it. And really, I felt like when I moved here, especially in the political realm, I needed to learn the language of older white men. And so I was kind of like grabbing that bridge and then bringing those lessons. Cause I don't think, cause I would just um, be like, oh, like you guys don't know what you're talking about. And just kind of like, my uncle was a state rep for 20 years. And I was just, I was at these political events my whole life, never thinking about politics or, and so just kind of a way to connect um, yeah. women and people from different racial backgrounds to uh, like, this is societal problems. Like you could get so, like so many of these policymakers have no idea what they're talking about. And you've been in a classroom for 12 years, yeah. you know, not sharing any of that knowledge. So Very well, cool. yeah, I think I should read, I think I should bring her back. She goes, yeah. uh, some people call her Obi-Wan Kenobi. Like she comes out every few years. Like <laughs> <laughs> you, you should, I'm fascinated. Yeah. yeah. Send us a pick. Send us a pic. I will. I will. I will. I, yeah. It's fun. And I, I did get rid of, um, oh my gosh, my daughter was killing me because she said, she's like, mom, we live in a, we live in the North end in the city and it's pretty small. So, um, you know, we can't live in a museum anymore, mom. Like I have, <laughs> I have a ledger from everybody in Massachusetts who contributed to the women's suffrage movement. I have like I just we don't need like it's like this big it's huge <laughs> Sorry, kids. it's just like I had to get rid of some stuff but now I can I, I've really pared down to the stuff that matters matters yeah so. yeah that's well, nice it sounds like you're a real good role model for your daughter too that's super important yeah I mean we're we're tight it's just the two of us um you know we have close family and friends uh which is great but uh we, it's definitely interesting because sometimes we could get be like roommates, you know, like bosom buddies at TV show. I'm like, I'm like, you cannot be like this when you get married. She's like on the couch with like eating ice cream in her underwear. I'm like, no, like I'll never get married and you will never get married. If we're just like, this is not how people live. So um, it's definitely a little bit different. So hopefully it doesn't turn into the odd couple, right? Well, yeah, no, for sure. That's part of another reason why I moved to the city. I'm like, we need to be around people. We can't be like those weird, isolated moms with their one kid who like, don't leave the house because sometimes never like, see them yeah i like to be in hermit mode so that reading my book so i'm like at least i'll live in the city where people will be like around me uh, Harry, don't, make is, weird, is, Harry, don't make her weird <laughs> as we wrap up tell our viewers where they can find you and all your great work yeah i mean i'm on linkedin um i don't know if you're gonna put my name up carrie cajun i'm on twitter yep that's how we met paul through friends um yeah. And that's about about it. I, I need a website and inawoman.com is still up. I still pay for her every year. She has some 
<laughs> she has some interesting articles for sure. In a in a woman.com. In a woman. Yeah. I N N O woman.com. She's a, what is it called? She's trademarked in Massachusetts. It's funny. Um, but I didn't realize all that. That's a whole other thing, but you have to buy the trademark. Um, yeah, or yeah. Pops and then Frisbees. and <laughs> It's a whole thing. <laughs> That's really cool. Well, listen, uh, this was super awesome. You know, we're going to invite you back sometime. Oh, great. We, Thank you. We love, we don't, we love our education talks and you know, th this, uh, I told you I had a blank sheet of paper. Now it's all, uh, <laughs> did I do we okay? could, we, yeah, you did. We could have an episode, we could have an episode on like 10 different things. We just barely skimmed the surface on. So Matt and I aren't going anywhere with this. Uh, the idea is to keep getting bigger, badder and stronger, you know, to, yeah, no, I love it. Person. Let and me know that, if there's anything I can do for you guys to promote it. I do love, I think some of your, uh, all of your episodes are great, but yeah, that's why I'm, you know, sharing them. And well, we appreciate that very much. Thank yeah. you. That's, that's, that's very nice. It's been a pleasure speaking with you. And like Paul said, it'd be great to have you on again and, and, yeah. and dive into some of these topics, even, even, even a little, even a little deeper and, and, um, you know, someone of your experience and, intelligence and, and perspective has a lot to offer and that's that's fun that's fun for that's why we do it yes. carrie it's why we're here we're not yeah no not, i love it you know, no one's cutting us any big checks yet so we're we're here because we're curious and, and and it's fun so and that's why we'll always be here you know um that's that was the whole mission the whole time anyway yeah and and it's funny, like no one, no offense to any of the three of us, no one wants to listen to us for three hours. Okay. Like right. Joe Rogan or something like that. Not even, yeah. my, not even my wife. <laughs> yeah. But what, but what we're finding is when we have these guests on, we have such great conversations, the 45, 50 minutes doesn't do it justice. So we'll come on with a more targeted topic next time. So it's great to get to know people and then move on to the next relationships with them. So we appreciate you coming on and uh, yeah. And I'll see you on Twitter. Yes. Thanks for having me. Congrats on the baby. Thank Congrats you. on your daughter's call. <laughs> oh, thank you. Hey, Thanks thank you. Till next time, Dr. Carey. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye.